Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, Radio New Zealand Sports web-only sports show. I'm Barry Guy. This week we'll hear from our champion shot putters Valerie Adams and Tom Walsh. Mountain biker Anton Cooper is aiming for a big 2014 after a bit of bad luck scuppered his last season. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic may have lost a few key players, but it doesn't appear to have affected their netball season so far. And we'll preview the New Zealand Football Premiership final. What is it about New Zealand athletes and heavy metal balls? The shot put has been the key to success for New Zealand at the latest World Athletics meeting. Valerie Adams picked up her third world indoor title in Poland this week to go with her two Olympic and four world outdoor titles. Meanwhile, Timaru's Tom Walsh rather surprisingly picked up a bronze medal in the men's shot put. It was another dominant performance by Adams with all her throws good enough to win. She spoke with Stephen Hewson straight after the event. Yeah, real satisfied. Um, it's been a very interesting six-month journey leading up to today, but I'm really happy with the throws. I'm really happy with the victory and um, pretty much a weight off my shoulders because I kind of walked in these championships a little bit anxious and, and a little bit in the unknown, not knowing you know how it was all going to go, but pretty happy. Uh, that anxiety, was that from, what, not having competed for a while? From having surgery six months ago. Yeah, yeah. So it was, <laughs> and, not, and, and not quite. No, I mean these, these surgeries. No surgery is minor, and you know, you know, getting confidence and getting a stability back because everything goes out of whack when when the body is tampered. No, well, not tampered, but you know, poked and throttled. So you know, for us, it was it was definitely a um, competition to come in and kind of make my ground again and let people know that I am back. So it's, it was a pretty great day. Does the the throws or the the distance you got that was sort of where you thought you were going to be? Um, I didn't really have any expectations to be brutally honest because I you know I didn't want to put pressure on myself as such. Although I, I knew I had the potential to do something, um, definitely be consistent over twenty meters. Um, technical training inputs and then you didn't have it going really well. And JT is pretty good with how progressing. But you know, um, strength wise, I've still got a little bit of catching up to do because we missed quite a crucial part of the um, heavy stuff in Switzerland due to the surgery. So it was a little bit of the unknown, but, you know, coming out of 2067, I'll take it. You know, I'm from pretty soaked, and, I, you know, a, a win's a win, and a gold medal and a title is, is everything to celebrate. So what you're working on now, is, is it strength, is it, to try and sort of catch up for a bit of lost ground? Is that the focus over the next uh, few months? No, I think the focus is continue to do what we do. It's still trying to build Valerie, you know, and, and, and me as an athlete and still work on the technique, you know, still get the dynamics back. But, you know, this year is kind of an off year in in, in general, as in the, like this is the major for, for the year, apart from Commerce Games and the Intercontinental Cup, and then there's the Diamond League. So we, JP and I, are, since the surgery, have, are trying to rebuild um myself as an athlete so we're still in the process of that and we're going to continue to do that leading up to the summer season and number 44 on the trot is you know that you must be yeah. thinking thinking number number 50s could could come <laughs> i don't know so, i mean we'll we'll see how the season progresses but definitely number 44 now it's equal with uh, colin jackson 
So we, we've, we've kind of had a, had a bet that I was going to try and beat him this year, his, um, his winning streak. So it's looking good to, to do that. But it's, uh, it's pretty amazing to know that I can still be competitive, especially being, you know, poked and prodded on the, and other than my six months ago, and I've still come out strong um, tonight. So I think that goes down to you know, a fantastic team that I've got around me with Lou Johnson, my physio, basically at my house every day for about six weeks after the surgery, and also for JP coming over to New Zealand in December as opposed to normal in the January, February, to be able to start early with the technical work in New Zealand um, straight after the surgery. So without these these people and their commitment to me and, and, and our journey together, this today would not have been possible. And must have been nice to see Tom Walsh medal yesterday. Oh, loved it. Absolutely. Every moment of it, it was amazing. It was amazing to see it unfold on TV, and it was amazing to see him just grow and experience the feeling of, of um, you know, winning a medal, being an underdog, doing what he's got to do, doing, you know, everything to his potential, and, you know, coming out with the goods. So, you know, he, he did extremely well, and this is fantastic for New Zealand throwing. This is fantastic for New Zealand athletics, and it's great for the sport. Because he's a young young guy too. I mean, he's what two? I think he was about two years younger than the next sort of youngest guy in the field. So he's got sort of time on his side, hasn't he? Absolutely, he's got more time than I do. That's for sure. <laughs> but he does have time, and he is young, and he's and he's still got a lot to learn along the ways. Um, and he's very open to to um, to advice, and you know, obviously making up his own mind as as he goes along. But it's absolutely great for him, and it's. This is quite exciting thing for New Zealand having, you know, Jack O'Jolan and stuff. And it's going to be a great um, national, you know, when they both go out there and compete. And it'll be a great showdown. So people should come out and, and watch these two go for it because these two are potential, you know, medals in com- at, at the Commonwealth Games. Stephen also spoke with Tom Walsh, the 22-year-old builder from Timaru, after his bronze medal performance. Yeah, mate, I'm um, over the moon now. Uh... You know, I went into the last round, I think, in this position with 2088. Uh, and I kind of just jumped in the circle, mate, and, and I went through my normal routine. But the one thing I said differently to myself is, you know, I've got absolutely nothing to lose and, and everything to gain on this throw. If I didn't throw any further, you know, I stayed in this position and then that, that was that. But then if I really, um, you know, you know, dug deep and, and uh, tried to do those technical things well and then really try and smack the shit out of it, um, I could actually... Uh, come away with the medal and, and then to, to throw um, 21-26 on that last throw was it was amazing, amazing. And to not only just beat him, but beat him by a good 15 centimetres is uh, outstanding and also um, improving my PB as well, mate. And, you know, there's so many positives that have uh, come out of last night. I mean, I know you worked with that, that week with Valerie ahead of the competition. Is there anything particularly you, you put it down to? No, mate. It's, I think it's just... Uh, Kind of last two or three years um, of just you know hard work and, and just you know listening some listening some doing some hard work and, and you know doing some doing a lot of sprint work and, and speed work and, and a lot of technical stuff as well and, and really just you know honing in on what is the most important thing to make me so far and, and that is for me um, you know it's speed through the circle uh, and feeling feeling pretty explosive but also being strong enough to be able to you know to be able to uh, you know push the shot a long way as well. Um, so, that, you know, it's been great to train with Val and, and JP in, in Switzerland for the, the 10 days before World Indoors. Uh, it's not very often you get to throw uh, with an Olympic champ and, um, and Val's, you know, really accommodating for me, which I'm, which I'm extremely lucky for. You know, she'll, she'll do anything for me, which, which I'm, I'm really lucky. 
So does this make you sort of reassess your, your goals for the year? Yeah, mate, it probably does a wee bit, but you've got to be careful at the same point in time, you know. Just because I've, uh, you know, had an had a amazing start to the year, I, I don't kind of over, over put my goals, you know. I don't make them too hard for myself. Uh, and it's, it's always a, a chance. You know, I, this year I wanted to throw uh, about 21 metres, uh, and, I, and I've done that very early on. And I know there's, I know if I can get a bit more lift into my throw, there's still more there, even right now. So, you know, compounds, uh, the goals probably still stay the same, mate. At the end of the day, you have to do it on the day, and, and I was lucky enough to do it on the day here. How much of a different environment have, have you found it? Because you're, what, you're the youngest there by a couple of years in that field. Yeah, mate, it's, it's, uh, it's quite funny. You know, I was watching some videos uh, of it today and, and you know, thinking that you know, even, even last year, mate, I, I was watching it on TV and, and uh, I was thinking, you know, I'd love to be there kind of thing. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I've been doing for the last two or three years, kind of watching these guys. And, and it's kind of funny to, funny to see myself actually there and, and then also... Um, I've actually had a shot at actually done um, pretty well in it. So, yeah, the, the environment, uh, the environment and throwing is real good. Um, the boys, all the older boys, you know, help you in any way they can, and and um, you know they, they they know how hard it is. So, so they're right in behind you, and they're really helping you. Walsh says since his success, the sponsors have started chasing him, which is a nice change. With former junior world champion Jack O'Gill now in the senior ranks. The stocks appear good for continued New Zealand success. This is Extra Time with Barry Guy. New Zealand cross-country mountain biker Anton Cooper is looking to put an up-and-down 2013 behind him as he builds towards this year's World Championships and Commonwealth Games. Last year started well, the 19-year-old winning the elite New Zealand national champs, but just one day before the first World Cup in Germany, he fell ill with a virus which was subsequently followed up by a bad chest infection and then a head cold after arriving home to seek treatment. Later in the season, he was struck down by food poisoning. He won a World Cup race but then fell ill before the world champs but managed a fourth-place finish. This year, Cooper will ride for the Cannondale Factory Racing Team and will compete in five of the six World Cups, missing one to represent New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. He'll also represent New Zealand at the World Championships. He spoke to Joe Porter about the highs and lows of last year and his goals for 2014. Yeah, it was pretty up and down, like you said, and I'm glad to come our way with it, with a few good results, but I think my target this year is going to be um, more consistency right throughout the year, and I still want to peak for a couple of big events at the end of the season, um, Com Games, obviously, and, and the World Champs, so... Yeah, and amongst that, there's going to be a couple of those big ones. I'd love to win every World Cup like you can do, but sometimes it's just not possible. So I think winning is always the goal. Yeah, for sure. How many World Cups are you going to enter this year? Um, I'll be doing five out of the six rounds. I'm, I'm going to miss uh, the Montanan round because uh, I want to go race the, the Com Games there. So the Com Games obviously clashes with the, the Montsinan event? Yeah, it's only a, f- a few days before and... Um, to a different continent as well. So. <laughs> so you won't be defending your title at Monsignan? No, 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 unfortunately not. It's my favourite course on the World Cup stage, so I'm pretty disappointed I won't know. But Com Games and winning potentially a medal and representing your country at such a, a world, a global event, means more to you? Oh yeah, for sure. You grow up and you see the Com Games on TV and... Yeah, I don't know. I'd just be a huge honour to stand on the podium there and want to go there and race my hardest. So for my country. Do you think you have a shot at being the World Cup 
overall under-23 champion, despite the fact you're going to miss one event? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's been done before by other riders, um, just missing one. Uh, if you miss two, you're, you're not very likely at all, but um, yeah, missing one's still possible. And do you hold that yeah. as one of your ultimate goals? It's not super high on my list this year. Um, I think with those two sort of other events, Com Games and World Champs being my, my two main targets, it's sort of just sitting on the bench to that goal at the moment and... <clears throat> um, I guess if I get results, it'll just be a byproduct of that. You've had World Champs experience before. What's it like, I guess, training and preparing for those one-off events, like the Com Games in particular, compared to, say, preparing for a season where consistency is what's going to win you the overall World Cup title? Judging a peak is um, is really tough. Like trying to, you only hold your peak for about a week, and um, just trying to get that right is, can be the hardest thing um if you get a spot on then you, you'll be flying if not then you can be way out the ass so it really does depend um if you go throughout the whole season it's sort of for an overall world cup um series when it's sort of more about not um blowing your boiler too early in the season and and um keeping some in reserve for later because if you it's more of a mental thing i think your body can actually take quite a, a lot of um stress through training and that but mentally you you start to lose it, and if you've lost it early in the season before the you know the pointy end, then there's no way you win the overall. Last year, you had a few experiences with getting ill not long before the events, food poisoning, a whole rash of bad luck, really. And I guess it is quite fickle when it comes down to those one events, isn't it? Because if on the day you've had some bad KFC the night before, you could be in bad shape. Yeah, that's um, pretty gutting when you've put in all the hard work, and you have to learn from all the you know your downfalls and mistakes and I think I have learned a lot from that last year I think possibly I pushed it too hard early in the season and I just more susceptible to um, an illness and a virus yeah it is pretty gutting though when you've done all that work for months and building up to the World Cup and then the night before it strikes <laughs> you spend the night vomiting and in the bathroom and it's just uh, it really knocks you back and you have to start completely over again I think mentally it's, it's really it's the hardest thing about being an athlete and a sportsman so ultimately you, you would like to race at the Olympics and I guess the Com Games is, is a great you know early step towards that? Yeah, it's it's like one of those stepping stone events to, um, into a sort of a multi-event. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a mini Olympics, you could look at it like that. So it's going to be good experience for me and, and just sort of learning what it's all about. Mountain biker Anton Cooper. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic have been the benchmark for the New Zealand teams in the Trans-Tasman Nipple competition for many years. They were champions two years ago, but this season lost a couple of key players with Irene van Dijk moving to the Pulse and Laura Langman to the Mystics. Their coach, Nolene Taurua, also decided to finish. The Magic decided on Australian Julie Fitzgerald to take over the coaching reins, and so far the signs are very positive with two wins from two to start the season. Fitzgerald guided the New South Wales Swifts to the title in 2008. She told Bridget Tunnicliffe what it was like to be working with players that just a couple of years ago she was working against. Oh, it's been very exciting for me. I've um, To be able to work with players of their calibre regardless is um, a great opportunity for me and I've loved it. Uh, did you have any pre preconceived ideas about players before you came to the Magic that were maybe a bit off the mark? Have some players surprised you, whether it be personality-wise or playing-wise? Um, I suppose it's always a pleasure to get to know them better. I didn't, 
whilst I, with people like Casey and Liana, I'd always come across them and had brief chats and everything, but I didn't know them very well. And it's certainly been great to get to know them a lot better. Were you nervous about how the players might receive you, especially when there was such loyalty to Nolene Tolrua? Oh, look, I always knew that Nolene would be sadly missed by the girls. But then I think if you come in and you do a professional job and you try and do the right thing by them, then they'll have respect for that as well. Are there things that strike you about the way netballers are developed in New Zealand? Are there habits picked up from an early age here that perhaps you wouldn't see in Australia? Um, No, I don't think so. I think by the time they come through to the level and they're playing for us, that their development has been quite good. I wouldn't say that any bad habits have been picked up along the way. I love the fact that New Zealanders are so knowledgeable about their netball and the general public loves it so much and the atmosphere of it all. Mm. What is the main thing that you've taken from your years of coaching in Australia that you're trying to impart on your magic players? Um, I think I'm just... I don't know if it's so much an Australian-New Zealand thing, but I've always been very intent on hard work and the harder you work, the better you'll be. And I think the way you train and the intensity that you use at training will be directly reflected in how you play the game. So I suppose that's my basic philosophy that I've brought with me. Do you sense that the New Zealand players train as hard as the Australian players that you've coached before? It's always a generalisation, isn't it? I mean, we have some Australian players who I'm sure should be training a little bit harder and we have Australian and New Zealand players who train very hard. So it's not something that I really could generalise on. Mm. And the Magic players, have they taken to your new ideas well? Are they quick learners? They've been wonderful. I've been surprised how adaptable they've been, how open to change they've been. They've been a great group to work with. Following the Pulse loss to the Thunderbirds last week, Robin Broughton made the point that the T-Birds picked up 78 penalties to the Pulse's 47, and you know the cumulative effect of that marking wears down the opposition. Should there, Do you think there should be more of a deterrent? Because right now you could argue it's worth the penalties. Oh, look, I think it's a bit of a tired old argument. This competition is what's in its seventh season. I think we have to learn to adapt and we have to learn to play under the conditions that we've got. So I guess this could, this could go two ways. The umpires either start sending players off if they're constantly infringing or they introduce a yellow card type system or New Zealand teams have to accept that they'll have to do the same in order to compete with the Aussie side. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. Which way would you like to see it go? Oh, look, I think there's. I think it's a little bit of a myth. I think the New Zealand players are every bit as tough as the Aussie players. They may not sustain it for the length of time sometimes that the Aussies do, but New Zealand aren't angels out on the court either. And the rules of the game are there. The umpires are doing the best that they can. I'm a little bit surprised that all this has blown up after a round one game, to be honest. I didn't think that was an overly physical game. Hmm. Do you think the umpires though, should be using uh, what they have available to them more often, like sending players off for a couple of goals? I think all I can say in regard to that is that I always get a little bit frustrated that a player will be more likely to be sent off for breaking too often on the centre pass or going offside than they will be for continual contact penalties. But I think we have to be very careful. I don't think we ever want to take out of the game the ability for players to strive and fight for a ball. And I think umpires do the best that they can. I think our umpires should have a lot more facilities available to them for their own development. I don't know that we want to change the game too much. The Magic play the Southern Steel in round three of the competition. This is extra time. The New Zealand sailing team are gearing up for the Northern Hemisphere season 
with the entire sailing team heading to Europe over the next few weeks and a container of equipment already docked in Barcelona. Over the coming six months, the calendar is full of Olympic-class sailing regattas, building towards the pinnacle event of the year, the World Championships being sailed off Spain in September. I asked New Zealand High Performance Director Jez Fanstone about the year ahead. It's a good time to show that you're on track for for the Olympics and, and meddling there. And the added piece for us this year is that the World Championships in Santander will be all classes will be at the same World Championships and it will be the first opportunity for us to qualify a spot for the nation at the Olympic Games. So our real focus this year is, is getting to Santander, Northern Spain in September and qualifying as convincingly as we can as many classes as we can. So uh, that that is the process. Uh, being medalists in, in various classes doesn't count for anything. You still have to get rankings, points, and that sort of thing, does it? Yeah, we still have to um, earn the spots. So the, uh, there's only so many spots in each class at the Olympics, and the nations have to go and uh, get their spots. So 50% of the spots will be up for grabs in Santander this year, and then the rest, the 50%, will be across events in 2015. If we start with the the women's uh, uh, Olympic champions, I mean, where are they now heading towards uh, you know the next cycle? Well, look, they're in a good good space. I think it's fair to say that all our teams have had a really good summer here in New Zealand, uh, training and, and testing gear and then competing at events like Ocean Bridge Sail Auckland, and um, they're working really hard with their coaches and support staff and. Now, they've done a lot of work, and these next couple of regattas will be a great opportunity to put that into practice and see where we're at. And, you know, you mentioned Joe and Polly. They've been very working very hard with Paul um, Snohanson and Dan Wilcox, the men's 470 crew, who were 7th at the Worlds last year. And those teams have been putting in a lot of hours. I don't know that Joe and Polly are they're heading out on Tuesday, pick up their gear, and um, looking forward to going racing in Europe. What about those that have been doing other things like America's Cup yachting? Yeah, well, um, there hasn't been too much America's Cup yachting going on. I think you're referring to Pete and Blair. Both of them competed in the A-Class World Championships and they were second and third there. Um, So they've been doing a few other things to to increase their skills in other areas. But right now they're on the water with Marcus and Josh, who are second at the World Championships last year, and they're testing their gear so that when they fly out, they know which um, which is their best equipment for the for the events coming up, and they'll be they'll be at these two European regattas as well. How does it work though? You've got uh, crews in a high performance squad, but are others discounted? Are they? No, anyone can go to these events. Um, they're, they're open events. The, the events that. Uh, we were restricted on numbers, will be the test event. There's a, a test event of the Olympics in Rio this year and the World Championships. There's only so many spots in New Zealand or any country gets for that World Championships. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a couple of classes where we'd like to have more places and we're trying to get those. Um, but most people have been able to go. Uh, but I'm assuming if you're in the uh, New Zealand squad that it's a little easier to get there financially or, or whatever? Uh, well, you know, you, you've got to earn your spot by your performances, and um, and that's what the the guys of and girls have done. Uh, so, have you set targets for um, this year? Yep, target is to 
is to come come out with uh, as many qualified countries, uh, country spots as we can um, in Santander, and we'd like to do it in convincing style. Last year, we were the uh, top Olympic sailing nation um, in the world, and um, certainly like to, to get close to, to repeating that. Uh, and for the guys and girls, they, they want to know that if they're, they're on track with a, a result in the top 10, then the, there's a good chance they can they can move that on in the next two years. So um, top 10 is, is a real area we want to look at. And obviously, we've got people who have medaled now at three world championships, and they wanna, they're, they're going to want to stay on the podium. So that they set high standards for themselves, and um, we'll certainly be aiming for the top. This is Extra Time with Barry Guy. The final of the National Men's Football Premiership takes place on Sunday afternoon at Auckland City's home ground of Kiwatia Street when the minor premiers host second-place Team Wellington. The visitors are massive underdogs against the Aucklanders who only lost one game in the regular season and no team outside Auckland has won the final in nine years of the current format. But Team Wellington are confident of making it third time lucky after losses in the 2008 and 2012 finals to Waitakere and they've got plenty of experience among the predominantly young squad. The veteran Solomon Islands captain and prolific striker Henry Faarodo leads a forward line that scored only three goals less than the deadly city strike force. And Wellington coach Matt Calcott told our reporter Richard Wayne they've got nothing to fear and nothing to lose. The team's prepared really well this week. You know, we've had some excellent sessions and there's a bit of a buzz around the camp after the, the semi-final result and ultimately qualifying for, for the O-League. So we're raring to go and, and looking to put on a good performance on Sunday. I guess there's two sort of prizes on the line here, aren't there? Obviously, there's the National Premiership title and, and also a, a direct entry to the O-League. Which is more important for you guys? I think the most important thing is, is winning the league. You know, the, the ASB Premiership is something that Team Wellington have never done. They've been to two other grand finals. And so from our side, it's it's winning the league. I mean, that's the ultimate measure. And a team uh, consistently performing well, the end result will be that direct qualification. The direct qualification would be great. But again, it's, it's that kudos of winning the league and, and being pretty consistent over 16, 17 games. Of course, you lost the uh, 08 and 2012 finals to Waitakere. So third time lucky this weekend. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Third time lucky, and uh, you know we're playing against a pretty formidable Auckland side, and uh, but you know we've got a an excellent group of of young players who, when the concentration levels and the application are there, then we can put on we believe an excellent performance on Sunday and and give Auckland a real run for their money. I guess you're going in as fairly big underdogs. I mean, City have only lost once, and that was away. They've never lost at home this season. A couple or two or three draws in there. I guess football's a funny old game, isn't it? It doesn't matter whether you're the underdogs or away or whatever. On the day, you know, anyone can win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take you back to when we went to the final in 11-12 and uh, we played against Auckland in a two-legged semi-final and they hadn't lost a game all the way through the round-robin league of 14 games. So we managed to get through on that occasion and uh, we fell over at the final hurdle with Waitakere, but... Um, Ultimately, it's, it's cup football now, and from our side, it's important to, to start well and, and work ourselves into the game and see where we get to from there. Is Kiwi Tears Street a daunting place to visit? I guess it's just a football field, 110 by 70, same as anywhere else? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, they put on a great day at Kiwi Tears Street. You know, Open City Football Club is the benchmark on and off the pitch. And I don't think it'll be formidable because we have a lot of players that have played, although at a young age, they have some excellent 
experience and age for World Cups and the likes. You know, to be honest with you, a couple of thousand people at Kiwi Tear Street, you know, they'll be able to cope with well. Can we talk about your team? Who's um, the sort of star turns that we should be watching out for? And of course, it's on television for once, which is fantastic. What about Henry Farrodo? Is he going to be key? Yeah, I think so. I mean, our front three have done really well in the last, you know, five or six games. So, you know, I mean, these guys have performed really, really well and uh, and they'll be key. You know, there's no point in going to, to Auckland and defending for 90 minutes because you just won't be able to do that. You know, you need to ensure that, you know, you've got the ball in their half and, and you, you're causing their bat for some problems. So, uh, you know, our front three of Charlie Henry and and Henry uh, Farodo and, and Joel Stevens, um, you know, have been excellent the last few weeks and uh, hopefully it continues this weekend. So putting the, the city fullbacks under pressure and, and trying to, you know, win the ball up front will uh, will also be key there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's part of our philosophy. We try and regain possession pretty early. Nothing will change there on Sunday and we'll see how Auckland cope with it. So more of a possession-based approach rather than a counter-attacking one, you're saying? I think there'd be a bit of both. I mean, I think to win... To win the league and 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 to win championships, uh, you have to do a bit of everything. You have to at times counter, and and at times you have to be able to keep the ball to to break a uh, a team down that's you know that's sitting on the eighteen yard box. And so for us to to be successful, and that's one of the key messages to our group over the last six or seven weeks, is that we have to do a bit of everything to do well. And uh, and I think if you just if you're quite rigid on one style and it's not working, and you don't have a plan B, then you may well struggle. Is upsetting the Auckland monopoly on the title in your sights? I mean, obviously, Auckland won uh, four and Waitakere won five. Would it be great to be the first team from outside Auckland to win it? Absolutely. I mean, part of what we've been talking about as a, as a younger group is, is trying to create history, and we've done that with the O-League qualification, and, and now we're looking to get our names on the uh, on the ASP Premiership trophy, and uh, and that would be brilliant, and, uh, and that's been you know a real key driver over the last six weeks as we've given that little bit of momentum that's needed to get ourselves into the final. Well, this final is on Sky and live for once, um, which is fantastic. But shouldn't more of this competition be be broadcast to New Zealanders? I think it's absolutely brilliant that it's on TV. Certainly, the franchises within the league are, are crying out for that that extra exposure to bring sponsors to the table and, and lift the profile of the league. And if this is just the start of things to come, well, then, then it's absolutely brilliant. But, um, you know, I think it's excellent and it's going to be a great day on Sunday. And uh, we just hope that this little uh, subtropical storm that's due in isn't, uh, isn't going to hamper things around that. Well, if there's a storm, uh, you guess you probably start to back the Wellington players, wouldn't you? You know, I mean, there's going to be some pretty strong wins from what we understand, but, um, you know, I hope it doesn't take it away from it being a good spectacle and um, it's a final. And like you say, we're incredibly respectful of Auckland City and then the day that they put on and it's a great occasion and getting it on TV is a real positive. So we're just hoping that the weather uh, doesn't kill that off. The winner of the Premiership final gains direct entry to the Oceania Championship League, while the losers go through a qualification tournament first. That's extra time for this week. I'm Barry Guy. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.